If I've never met you before, I'm Mike, and I am truly honored that you took time to be here today. Tuesday this past week, we're right in the middle of this series, Birth of a Movement. We've got all our assets in place. We're two weeks ahead, and all the stuff's done, and I called our team and said, man, I woke up today, and I don't know why, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move a little bit this weekend. I don't know if it was for you, for what you're going through now. I don't know if it's for something you're about to go through. I have no idea. But I know this, today's not an accident. Today's not an accident. Today is a day where we all get on the same page of life to understand a little bit better this world that we're walking in. To get a little bit better handle on where we're not only at as a country what happened yesterday, but some of us right now, we are dealing with this word tragedy. So you may not be a normal note taker. You may be somebody you like to sit and listen. You remember, I challenge you to write some things down today. Hopefully you're given a little uh, sheet on the way in. If you were, boy, that'll be a great thing to use. If not, we have the app. You can go to North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, and all the notes are on there. If you have a phone that doesn't have apps, I don't know how to help you, all right? And so I really don't, I don't know what to tell you. If you've got a Nokia, don't know what to tell you, all right? And so, but this is a good Sunday to take down some things, because the reality of life is this. If you are not currently walking through a tragedy, you are most likely coming out of a tragedy, or you're going to be entering in one and you just don't know yet. That's just the way that life is. When God created the world, he created a perfect place. He created Adam and he created Eve and created the garden. And in that garden, man was given free will. And when free will was given, sin entered the world because of the fall of man. And when sin entered the world, death entered the world. And from that point forward, throughout history... Throughout history, tragedy has been part of the human story. Your first little point there in the outline is this. It's no one goes untouched by tragedy. Nobody. Nobody who ever graces this earth will go untouched by tragedy. Nobody makes it out without having something hit their life they didn't see coming. And the hardest part about tragedy many times is it's just not on the calendar. We didn't know. We didn't get to prep for it. We didn't get to, we didn't get, to get our arms around it. We didn't get to understand things a little bit better. And tragedy enters every story. You can go back all through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Tragedy hits every story. You think about Jesus himself, God with skin on, had a friend named Lazarus that passed. And you find Jesus weeping by his tomb. There's no life that's untouched by tragedy. And that's important to remember because when we're going through tragedy, we feel all alone. And we're going to talk about it here in a second. We feel like there's nobody else, there's nothing else, that, and there's nobody else who can comprehend what I'm going through. And the second part of that is the question isn't, will I get through it or will I go through it? The question is, how will I get through it? It's not a question of will you go through it, whether you're nine or you're 90, you've, you, you're going to. But it's how you go through it. So last night, Ann and I watched a 
2020 special that was done by Diane Sawyer where they went back to 9-11 and it was the craziest thing. There were like 60 ladies who were pregnant when 9-11 happened and they lost their spouse and they went back and followed the stories of those ladies and those children from when they were one to when they were 20. And you know what you learned watching that last night? They all made it. The question isn't, do we make it? The question is, how do we make it? How do we make it when the lights of life cut out? Man, you're doing life. You are living this normal, everyday existence, taking care of the stuff you got going on. And all of a sudden, something shows up and the lights cut out. When that happens, it's like we're living this life and all of a sudden when the lights cut out, we get disoriented. And so today, I wanna, I wanna say a couple things for even David and Number one, the things we're gonna talk about will affect you whether you have a deep faith or a small faith, or a limited faith, or no faith at all. All these things are true. So if you have a deep faith and you're feeling some of the things I'm gonna talk about, give yourself some grace. Other people have felt them before you. And other people are gonna feel them after you. Give yourself some grace. I think sometimes we hold ourselves to a standard that's not doable. And we beat ourselves up. We're living this life and we're walking down this road and all of a sudden when the lights cut out, we have detour options. And these detour options face every person that goes through tragedy. Well, Mike, define tragedy. I think it's a little hard to define. I think we define it pretty well ourselves, don't we? Because based on where we're at in life, tragedy is when you lose something or someone you didn't see coming. Tragedy enters. And these little detours that we're gonna talk about can be places, and I want you to get this, they can be places you visit or places you stay. If they're places you visit, they're gonna be okay. If they're places you stay, you can be in for a rough ride. So what are those three places, ready? Number one, every person who goes through tragedy will deal with isolation. They'll deal with isolation. Meaning, because we go through it, there, there's part of us that wants to pull away from everybody. It's the weirdest thing. You know, we get life and energy from people, and then all of a sudden when that, when that happens, it's like we don't even know how to verbalize what we're feeling and we can feel ourselves pulling away from people and isolating ourselves. And I think part of it is we know everybody around us doesn't know what we're dealing with and we don't even know how to articulate what we're dealing with. And we can almost pull ourselves out to the point that we begin to think, I'm the only person feeling what I feel. And then we beat ourselves up for feeling it. We get isolated and then we begin to beat on ourselves and go, man, if I really had faith, I shouldn't feel this way. If I really, 
If I really believed in God, I wouldn't feel this way. Listen, isolation is a visit that we all make in the journey of life when tragedy hits. And it's gonna hit all of us. Isolation is that thing that we can either pull off like a rest area and visit for a moment, then get back on the road, or it can be a hotel room we live in. And listen, if you let isolation settle in, you can remove yourself from a life that's still moving to go by. And one week turns into one month, turns into one year, turns into 10 years. So I want, I want to do a little bar set here real for us. You do not have to answer this question, but I'm asking it to show you nobody's alone, right? So if you choose not to answer, totally your, your business. If you're in this room today and you have lost a child or a spouse, would you raise your hand? If you're in this room today and you've lost a parent, would you raise your hand? If you're in this room today and you've lost another loved one or a close friend, would you raise your hand? You're not alone. So funny, we sit down on a roll on Sunday and we just assume everybody else around us has it all together and life's easy for them. And we have no idea the story sitting around us. All of us at some point have felt isolated. We have felt like, man, we're just in this journey and, and, and it would just be easier if I, don't, if I don't have to talk about it. And here's what sets in when isolation sets in. Loneliness. Loneliness sets in. Where we pull back to the point we've so isolated ourselves, we can sit in a room, we can even get out in public and sit in a room like this and be lonely. So being around people is different than feeling lonely. So understand that. When I say isolate, it's not like you hold up in your room, you're still living out life, but you've so sequestered your life that nobody else gets in. And it, it's that loneliness that you go, people don't get me. And here's the dangerous one. Nor does God get me. Nor does God get me. And we can begin to feel like we're trapped in this crazy, busy world that's just moving and going by and we are all by ourselves. And everybody look at me. And the God I've read about and the God I've sung about and the God I've raised my hands for and the God I've prayed to, I think he forgot me. Ron Dunn, a great Bible teacher, he said it this way, the greatest loneliness is not caused by the isolation from family, friends, and society, but by the suspicion we've been abandoned by God. That God just said, I'm gonna leave you on your own for a little while, then I'm gonna turn my head and move on to more important matters. It's not that we question the existence or sovereignty of God. Here's the dangerous part. We begin to question the goodness of God. And we wonder, God, if you're really there, why'd you leave me here? 
Isolation and despair give us loneliness. And when isolation, despair, and loneliness set in, number three sets in. And here's the dangerous rest area that you pull off in. It's bitterness. Bitterness. Boy, our heart gets stained and our heart gets hard and our heart gets tainted is the word. Literally, in the New Testament, there's a, there's a phrase called the root of bitterness. Root is literally, it's not like a, a root that we know, it's a stain. And when our life gets touched with tragedy and we feel isolated and we feel alone, we can get bitter. Now listen, here's the part I want you to get. This bitterness cannot only extend to people around us. The bitterness can be turned towards God. Why would a loving God let this happen? Why would a God who is a good, good father let this pass my way? If you are human and you walk the face of this earth, you will visit one of those three rest stops, if not all three. My prayer for you today isn't that you won't ever visit them, because you will. My prayer for you today is you don't stay at any of them. You don't park your car there. You don't go, well, all this has happened, so I'm just gonna settle in. Today is about hope. So I want you to do me a favor. I want to take you to the Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 13. Psalms chapter 13. This book we call the Bible is a roadmap to get through these days. And let me tell you why. So thankfully, God never said, now listen, Mike, I want you to to help me tell this story. Because if I were in charge of God's story to man, I would have cleaned it up a little bit, all right? I would, have, I would have put a lot of exclamation points in there and I would have made it a lot happier and I would have left out all the sad days because it's really not good to put on the sticker all the tough stuff. God didn't tell his story that way. You know what I love about God's word? He hides nothing that a person felt about him from you. Isn't that crazy? He hides none of it. The guy we're gonna read today, his name was David. David, we learned from our last series that we're in, was appointed the next king. He was anointed the next king. He was going to be appointed the next king. He was a guy named Saul. Saul was out to kill David. He was the current king. He didn't like how people liked him. His son, Jonathan, loved David. He hated that. The people loved David. He hated that. And David is gonna write something from a cave. Not the palace, but a cave, a literal cave because he's hiding from Saul. And God hides nothing that David wrote. Be thankful I didn't write it because I would have only hit two of the verses that David wrote. I would have just taken out the other four and just said, you can learn about those later. God left all of them. And let me tell you the hope for you. David was ticked at God. 
David was mad at God. And the Bible in the postscript of David's life said David was a man after God's own what? And yet he felt all those things. Give yourself some grace. 73 of the 150 Psalms are written by David. And they're raw. And they're full of venom. They're full of the rest stops. But they're not where David ended up. Psalm chapter 13, verse one. I want you to read this with me. This is so good. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Hello, God, I'm down here. That's what David's saying. God, you remember me? David, remember me? The guy that you anointed to be the next king? Woohoo! I'm here. I think you forgot me. Isolation. In the back of a cave, not the front of the cave, where the light is, because Saul could find him in the front of the cave. He had to go deep in the cave. So we don't live in caves around Kennesaw and Ackworth, but we know this about caves. Caves are light or are they dark? Which one? When we go through tragedy, we live in darkness. David is living in deep darkness. David had lost a buddy named Saul, or a buddy named Jonathan, Saul's son. He had lost a child. David knew loss. He was not only in an emotional cave, he was in a real cave. I just had a guy on my podcast named Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands in Alabama. And Chris wrote a book called Out of the Cave, and he made this statement. It's really powerful. He said, you know the crazy thing about caves, Mike? When you see a moth in a cave, it looks like a bat because you have no perception of what's going on. That was where David was. God, have you forgotten me? God, how long? Is this a punishment? All right. Little baseline setter here for all of us. How many of you have ever gone through a tragedy and you felt like in some way God's trying to punish you? Raise your hand. It's the craziest thing, isn't it? David is crying out to God. And look at what he says, verse two. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Here's what happened to David. He had isolation and then David got lonely. Do you know why David was wrestling with his thoughts? Because there was nobody else to talk to. Can I tell you something? You are your own worst counselor. Don't counsel yourself. When I've gone through those tragedies in my life, I can, I can maybe help you, but I have no ability to help me. Because you counsel like this. It's like this circular thing. And that's where David was. And look at what he goes on to say. It's really interesting. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me. And answer, O oh Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. God, I don't even know if I want to live anymore. That's what David said. I don't know if this is worth it. That little phrase, how long, is interesting too. It's like 
when, when life is good, time just spins, right? It's like, wow, where did time go? And when tragedy hits, it's like time stands still. It's like 2.01 and you look and feel like you've lived 24 hours and it's 2.04. That's what David was feeling in the darkness of a cave. And I love what he says here at the end of verse four. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Can I tell you something? David had a physical enemy. So his physical enemy was Saul and his army. I want everybody to look at me. You have a spiritual enemy that would love for you to quit the journey. He was the same enemy that caused the fall in the garden. And there's nothing more he would love for you to pull out the white towel and go, God's forgotten me. People have forgotten me. Life's forgotten me. I'm out. I, I just don't want, I'm gonna keep living, but I don't wanna live anymore. I would have not let any of those first four verses be in my Bible. None of them. Because they're depressing. You read them, you're like, good night. I thought David was the warrior. I thought David was the man after God's own heart. He was. And David visited the detours that we visit to. But there's a great word in this. But. In spite of all this, would you stand with me today? Look at what he says in verse 5. But I trust in your what kind of love? In spite of all I've been through, God, I know. In spite of all I've experienced, God, I know. And I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in your salvation. And this is crazy. Verse six, and I will sing to the Lord for he has been what to me? What's it say? If all we read are the first four, we're gonna walk out of here today and go, there's no way I'll make it. But God left in the last two. Why was David a man after God's own heart even when he visited the rest stops of bitterness and isolation and loneliness? Because David knew and he had settled in his core. God's got me and God's gonna see me through. You guys can be seated. It's so funny and we're going to dive in our notes, but sometimes we love good, strong, deep truths. But you know what I've learned from families that have gone through tragedies that I've had the opportunity to walk through with? It's never the deep, strong. It's the simple things about God that we cling to to get us through. We, we use this statement at North Star all the time. Never forget in the darkness what you know to be true in the light. Never forget in the darkness what you know to be true in the light. What did David know to be true in the light that pulled him through? Number one, he trusted in God's heart. He trusted in God's heart. 
He knew God saw something he couldn't see, and he trusted it. David said, I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my faith. Because let me tell you something. Our circumstances at times will make you think all the other. David said, my faith is going to dictate my circumstances. I trust God's heart. Ladies and gentlemen, I want everybody to look at me. God knows things we don't know. Can we all agree with that? He knows things we don't know. Well, Mike, I want to know everything that God knows. I don't want you to know everything that God knows. That would make you God. That'd be bad, all right? And so he knows things we don't know, and I got to trust that. David said, I trust at the end of the day, you are good. And one day I'm going to get it, and right now I'm just going to trust it. Here's what I will never make you a promise I will never sit in your den. I will never sit in your living room. I will never sit at a funeral home. I will never sit in a memorial service. And there are people all over this room in every section. I've sat in your home or at the funeral home with you all over this room. And at True North too. I will never make you the promise one day you'll understand. I don't. Heaven you will, but you may not hear. But I can tell you this, if it got to your life, it didn't come as a surprise to God. That's what I will tell you. It wasn't like God took a day off. And it wasn't he was trying to punish you. David trusted in God's heart. Sojourn Kierkegaard, great philosopher, he said it this way. God is too good to be unkind and he's too wise to be mistaken. When you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. There are parts of your life you will have to trust. God knows something you don't know and you just gotta keep walking. It's just part of life. Mike, I don't want to do that. Then you're going to visit one of the rest stops and you're staying for a while. There will be tragedies that you will walk through in your life and they may not just be the death of someone. It may be something else. And I talked to somebody out in the hall earlier that had been through some tragedies that weren't the grieving of a loss, but it was the grieving of a loss of something else. The only way you'll make it is when you trust in one who sees things that you can't. Number two, he held on to God's promises. And I want you to write under this, ready? Big and small promises. Big and small. There's a verse in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus says it over and over again. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You can take that to the bank. I'm not gonna forget you. I'm not gonna abandon you when you abandon me. When your heart grieves and when you question, I'm not going, oh, nope, nope, nope. They failed the test, I'm out. 
if God did that, none of us are going to make it. His long-suffering. And God says, I got you. I I love how David said, he said, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I'm going to let you in on some really great news. We are not going to be here forever. Can I get an amen on that? I am so thankful I'm going to be here forever. Mike, I just want to live here forever. I don't. All right? I really don't. And one day when that curtain gets pulled back on the other side, that little glimpse that we'll get in, we wouldn't want to come back. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard the things that God has prepared for us. I have a good friend that was in the last service. Lost his son in 2003, 28. I asked him, it was probably, that was 2003, so... I asked him probably in the last five years one day out and he was working in the parking lot and I said, you miss him? He said, Mike, I miss him every day but here's what keeps me going. Every day I live, I'm one day closer to seeing him again and I can't wait. That's the hope of heaven. I rejoice in your salvation. There's a better place and I'm holding on to get there. Number three, ready? He expressed gratitude for God's blessings. David somehow, in the middle of his grief, in the middle of his tragedy, David could see that God was still good. And God still had him. It's funny, um, tragedy robs a piece of all of us in a lot of ways. Not just the situation that caused the tragedy. The loss of a child, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a parent, the loss of a loved one, or whatever it is. Not, not just that. It robs some of our innocence too. But if we can ever slow long enough to remember what we have to be thankful for, mm, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. I want to tell some of you something. Looking out on a Sunday morning and seeing you here, makes me proud because I know what it took to get here for you. I've had so many people through the years that say, Mike, I don't understand. But I'm going to let God use my story to help somebody else in their story. And in the middle of your pain, 
you become a blessing in somebody else's story. It's the craziest thing. Romans 8, 28, right? You can't unwind the tapestry of God. The goods and bads, they all just run together and you just got to keep living. You got to get up. You got to put one foot in front of the other one. You got to keep walking and one day you'll look in the rearview mirror of life and you'll go, oh my goodness, out of my greatest tragedy, I see things now I couldn't have seen before. I never thought I would smile again. Today I laughed. I never thought the sun was going to come up quite the same way. And Mike, this happened, and it's the craziest thing. It's like I have hope again. Because whoever that person is that's going through it, chose instead of going into the detours to keep walking and go, God, I trust you. I don't understand you. I don't get it. But God, I have a lot to be thankful for. When you can live that way, your heart begins to heal because your eyes get off you and you're able to look to somebody else. There's a lot of people that have been through things here at North Star and I'll say, will you call this person or that person for me and tell them they can make it because you've been there. Yeah, Mike. And through their tragedy, they become a blessing and hope in somebody else's. I want everybody to look at me today. God's not forgotten you. God's not gonna leave you where you are. God's going to see you through. But you've got to keep walking. And one day we're going to get to heaven. Scripture tells us. And this life will look like a vapor. Compared to eternity. But getting through it ain't easy. But you can make it. Would you pray with me? Mm. Holy Spirit, I just pray for you to minister to hearts today. God, I pray that what people remember and what they hear from today aren't points on a piece of paper or on a phone screen. They're whispers you gave them in their heart. When you said quietly in their ear, I got you, I got you. And I'm going to get you through. It's okay to be mad. Just hold on to me. I'll keep walking with you. Father, today, you're good in spite of bad. Thanks for understanding our plight. Thanks for not judging us at our worst. Thanks for not putting a period where there's a comma. 
thanks for a book called the Bible. It's got the good, bads, and uglies of it all. And it's a story of hope. Would you just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now, would you? Maybe today you walked in here and you said, Mike, I don't know Jesus. You can meet him today. Say, Jesus, come into my heart today. Father, thank you for the hope of heaven that pulls us through days like today. It's in your name that I pray.